passage. You ready? Joshua chapter 18. I want to hear everybody. Here we go. Then Joshua asked them, how long are you going to wait before taking possession of the remaining land the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has given to you? There's more. We settle and we miss the fact that God has more. So we're going to talk about that. Close your eyes. Holy Spirit, we ask you to, Lord, just speak to us. Inspire us to cross that Jordan and to step into every promise you have for us. God, if there's more, we want it all. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I believe as a church, we're in a crossing over season. We, just like the children of Israel, God brought us to the Santa Clarita Valley and we settled and established the church, but now we're in a season of taking more land. Um, Some of you know that just last weekend we went to Canyon Country for the first time. We're getting ready to open Higher Vision Canyon Country. Did anybody get to go to our outpouring at Canyon High last week? It was incredible. We had uh, almost 400 people in that facility last weekend. In fact, we had a meeting on Monday where people showed up and said, I want to be a part of that team, whether it's to attend or to serve. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're interested or you're from Canyon Country or you're on the middle to the east side of the valley and you're interested in finding out more, take out that connect card, write your name, your email, your phone number, and just write Canyon Country. And someone will reach out and just let you know as we get closer to the days of launching Canyon Country Campus, we want to give you that information. So fill that out. She has a church where taking more ground. There's more land to, to possess. We're getting ready to open next weekend, Kid Venture, many years in the making, a vision and dream that God is bringing to pass. God has visions and dreams for you and for me that go beyond where we are. He, in fact, he's a God. I mean, no, we serve a God of more. He said, there are things that you haven't even seen or comprehended that I have waiting for you. He said, I can go above and beyond what you can even imagine or dream according to my power in you. And as we began to talk about it, we learned that the people that were crossing over, there were three groups. One was the new generation. And it was the people who did, they didn't see the goodness of God in the land of Egypt. Their parents did. And when they got to the promised land, their parents were stubborn and didn't go in. And so God said, I'm going to raise up a new generation. And so there's a new generation that goes in and takes the land. I believe in this church, there's a new generation that God's called. And I'm not just talking about the young people, which we'll talk about them in a minute. But I'm talking to those people that are here that you didn't grow up in church. You didn't see what happened in Egypt and the miracles. You're first generation Christian. You got saved coming to higher vision. You're the new generation that God wants to use to take more land. Not only that, there's some millennials, some generation Y and generation Z that God's called you to go and take the promises that he has for you. So there's a new generation. There was also an older generation. I turned 50 recently, and so I consider myself in that older generation. Just look at my beard and you can tell. And I love in the story that God didn't just use the new generation, he used the older generation, because here's the good news. If you're in the older generation, you've been around for a while, you grew up in church, guess what? There's still more for you. Come on, amen. amen. And so what happens? Caleb says, I want my mountain. And he stands in front of Joshua and he says, now at 85, I'm just as strong today as I was when I was 45. You know what he was saying? 85 is the new 45. And there are promises that God has for you and I to go and possess. And then there was another group, and that was what I would call the leadership generation. And that's what we're going to talk now about Joshua. 
And so if you have a Bible, I want you to, to turn with me to Joshua chapter 1. We're going to look at a verse. And it's interesting because last week we learned that the things that stopped them from inheriting the land were their words and their attitude. And the things that can help you inherit God's best is your words, the things you speak, and your attitude, your heart, your spirit, your mindset, your faith. So I want to read to you what God said to Joshua. Here's what he told him. Now remember we said a new generation, an old generation, and a leadership generation. God speaks to Joshua and he says, Joshua, my servant Moses is dead. Therefore, the time has come. Everybody say the time has come. Sometimes we sit back and we wait and we think one day when I think God might be saying today. The, the, day, the time has come for you to what? Lead. A generation that will lead. Time has come for you to lead. And what? The Israelites across the Jordan River. It's time to cross over into the land I'm giving you. Now watch this. This is cool. And wherever you set foot, you will be on the land I'm giving you. No one will be able to stand against, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I want to give you the point. Last week we learned that your words matter, your attitude matters. This week we're going to learn point one. Write this down. Your feet matter. Your feet matter. I'm going to talk about that in a minute, but I want to go back and show you. He said, wherever you put your feet, I'm giving you that land. And then what happens, Joshua tells the people, okay, we're going over the Jordan River, just like they came out of Egypt, right? And they had to get into the wilderness, so they had to cross the Red Sea. In order for them to get out of the wilderness into their new season, they had to cross over. And that was the Jordan River. And so he says, okay, guys, here's what we're going to do. We're going to cross the Jordan River. That's a, it's, it was the time of the spring and the water was flowing. So he says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have the priests carry the Ark of the Covenant. And as they step ahead of us and walk ahead of us and walk to the river and step into the river, something's going to happen. So that's where we're going to pick up on the story. Joshua chapter three, it was the harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. There was no way to get across, but as soon as the what, come on, that's kind of weak. As soon as the what, the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water the water above that point began backing up as a, at a great distance away at a town called Adam. So in other words, upstream, there was this invisible dam that appeared. And the water literally starts stacking up like at a dam. And it says, and the water below that point flowed on to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Here's what's interesting, is that to possess more, to take all the land, it's not just about your words, and it's not just about your attitude, it's about your feet. Because notice, when they started stepping, the miracle came. The miracle didn't happen until they started using their feet, because there's a thought I want to hopefully ring true in your heart today when it comes to God's promises, and that's this. God's promises might just be one step away. The problem is, is that we ca get caught in a mindset of, I'm going to stay where I am, and I'm going to wait until everything works out. I'm going to stay where I am, and when I see everything perfect, then I'll move. You know, it's funny because um, God loves feet. How many know some people don't like feet? We have, we have someone on our staff who 
is freaked out by feet. In fact, we did a staff retreat a few years ago, and at the retreat, when everybody showed up, I made the announcement that I was going to wash their feet, kind of like Jesus did at the Last Supper. And I thought one of our staff members was literally going to have a heart attack and go to heaven right there. Because they don't want anyone touching, getting near their feet. Don't touch my feet. Don't even look at my feet. And, uh, and so I literally had to wash their feet, not touching them, just using a towel to wet their feet. Sounds a little crazy, but I want you to know something. God cares about feet. She's like, what do you mean? Well, just look in the Bible. If you, you see it everywhere. What does the Bible say? God tells us the word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. You find even Jesus said this, hey, you need to put on the armor of God right through the apostle. And when you put on the armor of God, you don't just need a helmet of salvation and a breastplate of righteousness, but you need shoes of the gospel of peace to cover your feet. In fact, you looked out the scriptures, the Bible says even this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your feet. Come on, y'all with me? So God cares about feet. Why does he care about your feet? Why do your feet matter? Well, there's a verse that I want to show you because I think there's a principle here that we need to understand. If we're going to step into God's promises and grab a hold of every promise, I want to show it to you. It's found in the book of Psalms, Psalm 37, verse 23. We already saw in Joshua that when they began to access and use their feet to begin to step, right, what happened? The miracle came. Why? Because it could be that your miracle, your promise is just one step away. Here's what it says. It says, the Lord directs the what? the steps of the godly, and he delights in every detail of their lives. God cares about the details of your lives, and what he's looking for you is to start stepping, and here's why. Because the directing comes through the stepping, not the directing comes through the standing. You see, there's a lot of people that don't realize that God wants to direct you, and God wants to bless you, and the the blessing is on the other side of the stepping, not the blessings on the other side of the standing. And a lot of us, if we're not careful, we move into a mindset of standing. You know, it kind of reminds me of, how many are thankful for GPS um, that can get us to where we're going? Come on. I was talking to someone, how many remember the days, back in the day, when you had to use a map? Yes, literally, someone just said, young generation, what's a map? (laughs) Right? Remember back in the day where you had to like follow the road and mark it off and you'd stop and you're like, okay, which way am I going? And now you just get in your car and your phone tells you where to go before you even get there in 500 feet. Now I have a a woman with a British accent on my phone. (laughs) It's interesting, I'll never forget the first time someone told me about the Waze app. And uh, it was kind of the first of its kind. Now, most maps do this, and that is they, they, they calculate the quickest route to where you're getting to. So if they need to redirect you, they'll redirect you. And so someone told me, you need to use a Waze app. So I'm like, that's cool. And we were getting ready to go into LA. So the person was sitting in the car with me. We're sitting there in the parking lot. And I'm like, yeah, let's try the Waze app. And they're like, yeah, it's supposed to be cool. Maybe it'll save us some time. So I download the Waze app. I get it all set up on my phone. I put the phone on the, the little thing on my, uh, my dash, and I hit start. I'm sitting there and and he's sitting there and and nothing happens. And I'm like, I don't know if this app is that good. Do you think it is? No, it's because nothing happened. He's like, and I'm like, start. Nothing happened. Start. 
And I'm like, did I download it wrong? Is there something wrong with my phone? And finally, he's like, you know what? Forget it. Just, just let's take off and then we'll figure it out. And as soon as I started driving, the app started working. Because the directing is in the stepping. And how many of us, we want God's promises, but we sit there and we go, start. God, I, I, I want to see reconciliation with that family member. Start. And we stand. And we wait. And we look over the Jordan River. One day, I'm going to get out of debt. One day, I'm going to start my own business. One day, I'm going to serve in ministry. One day, I'm going to found, find a godly spouse. God's saying your feet matter. Because the directing is in the stepping. See, it's interesting. I, 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 I'll show you an example of this. Our church, when, when we began to feel God say to us that we needed to expand and take more land, and he began to tell us that we we're supposed to go to Cannon Country and launch a campus there. And so we began praying. We began thinking. We began planning. I started thinking about team members and who's going to be involved. And I started going, God, I don't even know what to do. We don't have any money to do it. We don't have any facilities. There's no facilities to go to over there. And what's interesting is as soon as we started stepping... God started directing. Suddenly out of the blue, someone says, hey, you need to talk to this person. And so I go meet with this person. They meet with someone on the board. And the next thing we know, God's giving us a school that has not allowed a church in it for 25 years. And then before we even had, had, had the money to buy the equipment to go into the school, we just began to share the vision. You know what happened? Someone calls me and said, God spoke to me and said, I'm supposed to give you $100,000 for your Canyon Country campus. You see, the miracles came when I started to move. And a lot of us miss out on the miracle because we're standing rather than stepping. In fact, think about faith. The Bible says we walk by faith. Come on. And not by sight. Faith without works is dead. So maybe your faith isn't working because you're not walking. Amen, Pastor Jared. Good point. You see, God's wanting us to walk. So here, here's a quick little thought. Let's make it practical. God has more for you. So you want to see reconciliation in that relationship? Maybe instead of standing and waiting, maybe you need to take a step. Maybe you need to go home, pray, think about it, and tomorrow make the phone call. You want, you want to get that job that you've wanted so long? Maybe you need to go home and fill out the application. What do you mean you've been waiting for that spouse, that godly person to live life together? Go home and start a profile on ChristianMingle.com. Because the, she's like, I didn't know there was a Christian mingle. You see, the reality is that the directing is not in the standing. The directing is in the stepping. Amen. Your feet matter. And let me just make one more point before we move on. You know, I, it's interesting. Is I, I had a, a dog. We have two dogs now. One, um, his name is Hudson. Um, Hudson. <laughs> I'm going to be in big trouble when I get home. 
You'll, you'll understand. His name is Hubble, not Hudson. All right. Hudson has been on my mind a lot this week. So Hubble is the new dog. He's got a lot of energy and he's fun. And we have this little uh, dog named Gidget and she's more shy and quiet. But we used to have a dog named Bruiser. And I, I didn't really, when I was growing up, we had a couple dogs, but it was, I was little and the dogs, you know, ended up dying and things like that. So I really wasn't a dog person. And when we got Bruiser, it was like, you know, hey, you need to take him for a walk. And so the first time I took him for a walk, I was really shocked because I realized that first I didn't really understand, but as I started taking him for a walk, I'm like, every house we went to, he would stop and go pee. And I'm like, man, how much water does this dog drink? And he, he must really have a small bladder because it's like he has to stop every house. And then I started to realize that he wasn't really stopping to go pee. He was stopping to mark his territory. And as I began to think about it, I thought about our story last week. And Caleb, the Bible said that Caleb stood before Joshua and he said, Give me my mountain. Because God said, Everywhere I walked, it belonged to me. It's interesting because there's a verse in the Bible uh, that says in uh, uh, Habakkuk, guys, if you'll move towards that, it says Habakkuk chapter two, verse two, it says, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. You know what's interesting is write the vision. You know what the word, that phrase means in the Hebrew? It means to mark. Mark down the promises. I think one of the things that God might be saying is this, is that maybe we need to walk around some promises, some things that, that we believe God has for us. When was the last time that you wrote down the vision uh, and you began to pray around that vision and you began to walk in the spirit around that vision? You see, Caleb walked around his mountain and God gave him his mountain. What things do you need to walk around in your prayer? I'll never forget when we felt like God said this was our building and then the deal fell through and the, the developer said that building's not your building, it belongs to somebody else. And you know what? Something inside of me said, no, that's God's building. So you know what we did? We marked our territory. Don't worry, there's not pee all around this building right here, just in case you're wondering. But you know what we did? I brought a group of intercessors and we walked around this building seven times and we prayed over this building and it was on the top of our prayer list. We marked the territory that wherever we put our feet, that property belongs to God. And I just want to say that maybe the thing that's holding you back from an, the next promise that God has for you is that you're standing instead of stepping. I had someone come up to me afterwards and it was so awesome. He's like, Pastor, I'm 73 years old. Do you think that there's room for me at VBS? I don't even know what to do. I don't even know what God's saying, but you said I need to start stepping. I said, go talk to JL. What is it that God is saying you need to take a step in your life? Because I'm telling you, there's more. It's time to cross over. Somebody say amen. amen. Your feet matter. Here's the second thing you need to know, and that is your willingness to surrender matters. Your willingness to surrender matters. I'm going to show you what happens. Now, they cross over the Jordan River. So when they step, the miracle comes, right? When they step, direction comes. And what does God do? He directs them to a place called Gilgal. The first thing they do is they don't go fight. The first thing they do is they go to Gilgal. And I want to show you what happens. God speaks to Joshua and he says, hey, there's a whole generation that has arisen and grown up in the wilderness. And they're not like their fathers because they haven't been circumcised. 
So I want you to make sure that they go to Gilgal and they're all circumcised before you go to possess the land. So the Lord told Moses, make flint knives and circumcise this generation of Israelites. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the entire male population. Then the Lord said to Joshua, today I have rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt. So that place has been called Gilgal unto this day. So what's circumcision? For those of you that may not understand that, um, if you're a male, you're going to be much more interested um, than the females because circumcision in those days was that basically they would take a knife and they would cut away the foreskin of male anatomy. And through the removal of that foreskin, what it was, was a covenant because of the shedding of blood. It was a covenant with God, but it was also God's method to protect them from bad hygiene and infection. So it was a way to bring protection and prevention and blessing into their life, the blessing of health. So God literally removes some things at Gilgal. In fact, the word Gilgal in the Hebrew means to roll away. So now basically what God says is this, because right after this, they end up going to Jericho and they conquer Jericho and they begin possessing God's promises. So notice now the process. Um, They step and God begins to direct, a miracle happens. And then the next step is that God begins to cut away and remove things in their lives so that they can possess more. Because maybe less is more. You see, that's a beautiful picture. See, what was happening is it was a symbolic act of the process of releasing God's blessing of possession in your life. And I'll show it to you how it relates to all of us. Because if you're male or female, all of us have experienced this if we know Jesus. Let me show it to you. It's found in the New Testament. Colossians chapter 2 verse 11 says, when you came to Christ, you were what? Circumcised. Circumcised. But not by a physical procedure, Christ performed a spiritual circumcision. What was that? The cutting away of your sinful nature. See, what's interesting is when you and I get saved, here's what you need to know. We're all made up of three parts. We're made up of body. We're made up of soul, which is our mind and our emotions. And we're made up of spirit. So when you get saved, how can... This is something that people struggle with. How can I, as an imperfect person be made perfect in the image of Christ because I still do things wrong. How many have ever thought of that? So here's how. God comes and supernaturally, he comes into your spirit as a spiritual physician and in your spirit man or spirit woman, he cuts away all the sin and sin nature. So now your spirit man is perfect and complete like Christ without sin. And that's why the Bible says that we need to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You know what the word work out means? It means to complete and finish. So what happens then is we go through a process of sanctification. Sanctification is to purify. So what happens is you're made perfect when you receive Christ. Then you begin to allow the Holy Spirit to do what he did on the inside and begin to work its way to the outside. 
So now suddenly you start allowing God to come in and carve away attitudes and sinful habits and things that you're doing in the natural, even though the spirit has been made perfect, you begin to submit to the circumcision process where God begins to carve out of you the sinful desires, the sinful words, the sinful acts that you do. Even though you're perfect, even though you're forgiven, he begins to transform not just the inside you, he starts to transform the outside you. Come on, amen? The key is, are you willing to let him cut? Because notice, the way to possess eternal life is you have to go through the cutting process first. Y'all with me? The same is true. Let's, Let's just call it the pruning process. Jesus said in John chapter 15, he said, he prunes the branches so they will produce even more fruit. You see, what happens is if we're going to possess all God's promises, we don't just need to step in faith. We don't just need to speak in faith. We don't just need to to have an attitude of faith, but we have to have a willingness to say, okay, God, if there's some sin, you know, maybe you've been called to live in possession of abundant life. Jesus said, I came to give you life and life abundant. And one of the things that's robbing you of abundant life is that you're in turmoil in a lot of relationships. And here's why. Because maybe you still have the sin nature of bitterness and unforgiveness. And you'll never live up to your relationship potential as long as you leave that cancer of bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart. So God says, because I love you, I'm going to have to cut you so that you can experience the best. You all with me? I'll never forget... Um, we were building the, uh, the, the last campus. And at the time, we didn't have the resources to hire a company for everything, so a lot of the work was done by people in the church, which can be a good thing and a bad thing. The good thing is that it saves money. The bad thing is, t- is it takes four or five times as long to do it, which means you're paying rent on the facility for that four or five times as long or <laughs> you all with me. So we were doing our best, and there was nobody to, to lay tiles. So I'm like, I'll lay it. I mean, some things are not a good idea. Because I'm really not a handyman, but I'm doing the best I can. So I got those things that you put on your knees. And I was working on the fin set and getting it all ready. And I was putting the tiles in place. And I'd work for two or three hours. And then someone that knew what they were doing would come in and go, oh, okay, Pastor. And so then we'd go back and we'd fix stuff. And, but I, we, I finally got, got it down and was you know, getting, a, getting a, a, kind of a, some proficiency in it. And I got to this one place where it was a, a tile that needed to be put in the corner. But there was one little piece that had to be shaved off for it to fit. So in order for the bathroom to be completed, the tile had to be cut. Problem was, is it was such a small piece that every time I went to the saw and started sawing it, it would chip or it would break. And what happened is, is that it took forever and we wasted a bunch of tiles because the tile would not submit to the cutting process. And I wonder how many of us are missing out on things that God has for you or we're delaying God's completion. We're delaying God's possession. We're delaying God's promise. And the reason is, it's not just that we're standing, but because we're, we're, we're fighting and we're not surrendering to his cutting process in our life. See, sometimes God wants to cut us because he wants to bless us and he wants to heal us. And he knows that as long as you allow that cancer 
of gossip or that cancer of unforgiveness or that cancer of lust or that cancer to stay in your mind, in your life, in your relationships. He knows that the process is not going to be complete and you'll never get to your Jericho. So I want to end with this thought because what God's teaching us is our feet matter and our willingness to surrender matters. And I, as I was meditating on this passage, I went to the, to the next part right after they step and a miracle happens and God directs them to Gilgal so the cut happens. And then I, the Lord showed me what happens after the cutting process. And it's, it's a pretty cool thought. I want to take you there. It's found in Joshua chapter 5. They go to Gilgal. They surrender and allow God to cut them because he's preparing them for more, to go to Jericho, to take land. And then watch what happens after the stepping and the cutting process. While the Israelites were camped at Gilgal, they had healed. They were in their healing process. They celebrated Passover, which, by the way, this was exactly 40 years after God said, in 40 years, you'll go in. To the day. How many know God is, a, is an awesome God? So they go in, and what does it say? The very next day, they celebrated Passover, and watch what happens. And that day, they began to eat unleavened bread and roasted grain harvested from the land. No manna appeared on the day they first ate from the crops of the land, and it was never seen again. Now, why do I bring this up? Well, first of all, if you don't know what manna is... Um, manna was the food that God gave the children of Israel when they're in the wilderness. When they're in the wilderness, remember, they were going from desert place to desert place where they don't have wells and they don't, you know, there, there may not even be very many animals in that area. And so they had to have food, millions of people. And so God provided food for them and it was called manna. In fact, it's really interesting because the children of Israel were not very creative. Because the word manna, you know what it means in the Hebrew? What is it? I mean, no, that's not a very creative name. So they went out, and here's what happened. The first day they go out and they see this flaky material all over the, the, the ground. God says, harvest it, take it up, and then you, you basically smash it into seeds, and you can turn it into bread. And when they would knead it and, and turn it into bread, it tasted like honey cakes. And what would happen is they would eat it, and they would make enough for their families, but when they were done, if they didn't eat it all or throw it away, it would rot because it wasn't good for the next day. It was only good for that day. And some people tried it. They tried to save it, and it turned, it turned into maggots and rotted, and, and God was angry. Didn't I tell you, eat it all, get rid of it all, because it's not going to be good tomorrow. Of course, we always push and test God. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? And as I began to think about it, watch what happens now. When they finally start stepping instead of standing, and when they finally surrender to God's cutting process, cutting away sinful things in their lives, suddenly, now God says, my provision for your new season is on a level that's not the same as this season. In other words, he was saying this, in the wilderness, I provided for just today. In other words, my provision was just enough. But in the new land, you're not going to have to live with a just enough mentality, a just enough 
provision because in the new land, you're going to harvest and you're going to eat and you're going to be able to store it for tomorrow and for next week and for the next month. In fact, for the entire season until the next harvest comes. You see, when you step into God's best, when you step into his promise, when you surrender to his circumcision process, he moves you from a just enough mentality, a just enough blessing to a more than enough blessing. God wants you to move to a whole nother level. Some of us are still living in just enough. And your biggest and best promise is on the other side of your stepping and the other side of God's cutting. I'll end with this story. When I was a young worship pastor up in Modesto, I was a visionary. I had these visions and dreams. And my visions and dreams were to, to record music and, and to write songs. And my visions and dreams were to have conferences to teach people on worship and equip people. And, and I had all these dreams to do things. And I'd been at the church for a short time. But one day I went up and met with my pastor. And in, in the conversation, he basically, he called me out and he pulled out the scalpel. Not a real scalpel, but a spiritual scalpel. He said, Jared, you got a blind spot. You got some cancer. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm, and I, I was upset in the meeting because he was the, the pastor. I was the worship pastor. And there was this kind of conversation about a song. And I'm thinking in my mind, you know what, pastor? Great and everything. But I'm the musician. I'm the one with the music degree. So when it comes to a decision like this, I know what I'm talking about. And pastor said, you know what, Jared? He goes, you have gifts. You have talents. You have calling. You have passion you have something that God needs to change and it's called pride. How many know that sometimes the scalpel, hurt, scalpel hurts? And instead of fighting it, instead of, so instead of questioning it, instead of getting back in his face, something inside of me said, wait a minute, I need to surrender in this moment. And so you know what I did? I repented in that moment. I said, Pastor, I'm sorry. You're right. I didn't even see it. I didn't realize how that I'm so cocky and I think I know what's best and, and I'm judging you and, and thinking I'm better and, and you know, I'm sorry and I ask you to forgive me and I'll, I'll be teachable and you tell me, you show me when you see it. And, and God began to, in this moment, cut away some things in my life. There was a a circumcision process. Up until that time, I hadn't recorded. Up until that time, we didn't have conferences. Up until that time, we didn't have a school of ministry to raise up people. I was banging my head against the, the wall trying to get through, and I couldn't get there. And, and pastor looks at me and said, Jared, you know, because of this, he said, God's beginning to transform you. And he pulled out this old cup. It was a Bank of America cup that they give away when you open an account. It had a big crack in it. He said, you know, Jared, he goes, this cup, he goes, it works. I drink coffee out of it sometimes. He said, but you know, it'll always go on the sales rack. It'll never be valuable because it's common and it has a flaw. He said, but let me show you another cup. And he pulls out of his desk this pebble beach, gold embossed, beautiful coffee cup. He said, you know what, Jared? This will never go on the sales rack. In fact, this is valuable. I'll never sell it. He said, because it's beautiful. Care was made in, in preparing and creating it. It has value. It doesn't have any flaws. He said, right now, because you surrendered, and he began to talk to me about Jeremiah and how God saw the, the vessel on the wheel and how that he broke the vessel down and he began to remake the vessel. He said, Jared, you just moved from this cup to this cup. And you know what's amazing is that little moment I thought to be, oh, kind of cool. Sometimes we think of these little moments of God dealing with sin in our life as, oh, this little insignificant moment. Do you realize that it was after that we started recording albums. 
the albums went all around the world. We started doing conferences. I started speaking at conferences all over the world. We launched a Bible school for worship leaders. April, our worship pastor, was one of those students. God opened up the door and gave us a television ministry that went all over the world. Miraculous things begin to happen, and here's why. Because the blessing was on the other side of the cutting. So the question is, are you going to stand and look at your promises? Are you going to resist his cutting process? Or are you going to say, God, I'm going to quit standing. I'm going to start stepping. And God, if you need to, take out the scalpel. I surrender. I humble myself. What does the Bible say? Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And he will lift you up. There's more. There's more. There's more in this city. There's more for you online. There's more for your family. I want you to close your eyes.